Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHayes. I'm obsessed with all things business and fitness. I left my career as a TV reporter, followed my dreams, and created a multiple six-figure online coaching business in just one year. Now I'm sharing my strategy with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Again, welcome to the Tailored Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is sponsored by Fitness Coach Academy, my signature 14-week mentorship to take you from beginner to CEO. Learn how to jumpstart and scale your business with proven strategy and with me as your mentor. Now, if you're listening to this episode, it's pretty clear you're still trying to master the basics and Fitness Coach Academy was made for you. Now, we start again in June. The last time we launched, you guys, spots filled in four days, literally. Now, let me guess, you're struggling to nail down your niche, confused on contracts, frustrated with giving FaceTime on the gram. Okay, look, I'll make it so easy for you. Click the link in the show notes to apply and we'll set up a call and make sure it's the perfect fit. Now back to the podcast. I always want to be the source of transparency for all of you guys listening. And so often I talk about everything that I did right, all of the good things, the ways to scale. And where do you think I learned that from? From making mistakes, right? So today's episode is all about five fatal mistakes that I made as a new coach and how you can avoid them. Now, if you are looking for lessons that I learned, things of that nature, I did record a podcast on that with my business coach, and we kind of break down everything that I did, uh, lessons learned, Not so much of mistakes, but these, you guys, these mistakes in this episode really could have been detrimental in the long run if I did not catch myself when I did. So I have created a multiple six-figure business annually, and that has honestly been so amazing, and it's still crazy to even think about. And currently on track to hit half a million dollars this year, which is totally insane. And it's through a lot of right decisions, but a lot of course correcting as well. And so I want you to know that number one, it is possible. It is possible for you to create an abundant life that you want to live, right? You're going to have to work hard, of course. Yes. Being an entrepreneur, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know, there's a lot of pain points, right? It's hard. It's not easy. But Working smarter, not harder is really the takeaway that I want you guys to remember. And also playing big, right? If you want to play in the big leagues, you have got to swing, okay? I always played big. Now, let's dive in to these five fatal flaws, if you will, or five fatal mistakes. I feel like that's like, that has to be the title of a Lifetime movie, right? I feel like Fatal Flaws or Fatal Mistakes has to be some Lifetime movie (laughs) title. Okay, so we're going to dive in, you guys. So the first thing that I did was I took on any client who was willing to pay me, okay? No matter who they were, if they could pay me, I was like, yep, sign them up, okay? Now, I know this probably goes against what – some coaches may say, or what you have heard, or what you have thought, 
But just because someone is able to pay you does not mean they are your ideal client. Okay. So let me just see if I can maybe read your mind and, and kind of paint a picture for you. So maybe you are a beginner coach and you have a few new calls set up and you don't close any of those sales. So then you, you think about maybe lowering your prices and then you doubt your credibility and it kind of turns into this spiral and you start to doubt yourself. So then the next time somebody's willing to pay you, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. And again, I'm speaking from the mindset or from the viewpoint of myself as a a baby online coach, right? I'm talking about the first month or two. And like, let me go back and kind of paint the picture for that, right? So I was laid off from my job that I had for 10 years. I was a TV reporter. And so many people thought that I was just so happy in that job. And little did anybody know that was not the case. And I did not look back, you guys. When I was given the opportunity to dart, even though it was awful the way it happened, unexpected. I was so excited for the opportunity to start fresh. I did not look for other TV jobs. I knew deep down that I always wanted to be an online coach and always wanted to help others build not only their best physiques, but also businesses. However, this was me as a fitness coach at the time. That's obviously where I started. So I would say yes to anybody willing to give me money because I was fresh out of a job, right? Like I needed that money. And what I realized very quickly is those were the people that, not all of them, but those were the people that were paying me not a lot of money, right? Because you're, you know, when you first start out, you're not charging nearly what you should. Therefore, there wasn't a lot of skin in the game. So they weren't my ideal client. So they, oftentimes challenged my contract or tried to cheap out or tried to cut their contract early or would never check in on time. And it was a nightmare. I was always wondering like, oh my goodness, when is this person going to quit? Are they going to quit? And I had all this anxiety about, you know, am I going to wake up tomorrow and are all of my clients going to be gone? Which never happened by the way. But if you are new and you have <laughs> you have those thoughts, I will tell you they are very normal, but they are not valid. Okay. So again, not everybody is your ideal client and you shouldn't say yes to anyone willing to give you money, right? Because they are taking up space for somebody that an ideal client would happily fill, right? And the wrong client is going to be a time suck and energy suck. And we just don't have time for that. Like I said, the you know, when you get on the phone with somebody and you have that that initial connection and you know that that person can be a soulmate client. I feel this every single time I sign somebody on to work with me, whether it be business or fitness, I am so obsessed with my clients. Like I love all of them. And if anyone is listening to this and you are already my client, I'm telling you, I love you right now. Like I freaking love them, right? Especially, um, especially now. And as I move forward in my business, because we have created a business obviously for financial freedom, right? We know that, but you wouldn't be in this industry if you didn't have a unique skill set. And I have a skill set to help people achieve their healthiest selves and to help people build a dream business, 
making multiple six figures, their first six figures, getting their first few clients wherever they are, right? You guys have seen that I have multiple offers, Fitness Coach Academy, Six Figure Fitness Coach, and then my VIP, my private, my inner circle, whatever. Um, So again, if I get on the phone with somebody and they're ready to pay me, but they are uh, you know, just, you can tell, you just can tell when that vibe doesn't mesh. Like there really isn't a right way to say it other than listen to your gut. If something feels off, it's okay to say no. Just because somebody applies to work with you doesn't mean you owe them a phone call either. There have been times that I have looked at somebody's application and I have not reached back out to them. Okay. So I think about it like this. If you apply for a job, that employer is not obligated to interview you. So you are not obligated to reach out and chat with them either. Not to mention when you take on somebody that truly is not meant to work with you, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. You know it feels kind of icky. You feel weird taking the money. And again, ultimately, there will always be other clients. I know we like to think this is a saturated space, and it is. It is a saturated space, but that is proof. That is proof that there are people out there doing it, and you can do it too. The second mistake I made, and this is for all of my fitness coaches listening, I had a one-track mind for nutrition coaching. So a little bit about my background, I am somebody that has been tracking their macros and I have been really in the fitness community for at least 10 years, if not longer. My macro journey started back in 2012. Very early on, I was working with amazing coaches like Lane Norton and Cliff Wilson Um, who have been absolutely phenomenal and have taught me literally everything I know. So while my journey was not a traditional BS in science or exercise science rather, or, you know, a dietetics uh, path, I basically learned through experience and I learned through doing, right? Which to me is oftentimes even more beneficial not to throw shade on anyone that has those degrees. I mean, that is amazing. And and there's so much knowledge there too. However, I just want to say that there is also a lot to be learned from experience itself, right? So I had a lot of experience with macro tracking. So let's say I got a client who had never tracked macros before. I would still give them macros. And looking back, I was like, oh no, why did you do that? Right. And, and fortunately those clients stayed with me. Nobody quit by any means. However, I would say the first two to three, maybe, maybe four months of my coaching, I was very one track minded with that. Whereas now if I get a client who has never tracked a macro in their life, I am not going to give them macro targets. That's going to be way too much for them too fast, right? So I will start with food logs or I will start with habit tracking, right? For example, if somebody is struggling to just eat consistently throughout the day, we might look at meal timing. We might look at 
okay, well, for breakfast, we didn't eat anything until noon, and all we had was a piece of toast and some peanut butter, and then we ate a 1,200-calorie dinner, right? So habit tracking. I could give them macros, and they they may succeed with those macros, may, may, right? But if the habits are not fixed or changed or tweaked, then overall, the journey with me as their coach is not going to lead to success. So mindset coaching is something else. I've always had my ideal client or or somebody that I speak to a lot is somebody who is dealt or dealing with food anxiety, food phobia, that neurosis with food, bad relationship with food, struggles to go to a restaurant and eat anything other than a salad. And I love showing men and women that food is not scary, that they can eat what they love and still lose weight and still crush their goals and still build muscle. And Oftentimes, that doesn't start with macros. Sometimes those people need a break from the tracking. And again, focusing on journaling, stress management, mindset coaching, right? I might have a client who has come to me with, you know, a history of disordered eating. They are under eating. They are uh, maybe under eating, but also stress eating as well. And I know that, okay, well, your biofeedback is telling me that you're not drinking enough water. You're only sleeping five to six hours a night. Your bowel movements are not regular. We need to work on stress management first and foremost. So again, coaching is an art. And I want to just really emphasize that because that is something that I struggled with in the beginning, right? And as somebody who has coached hundreds of people, I have probably coached 250 to 300 clients. And that is one of the biggest mistakes I made in the beginning. And that to me, once I switched over and I don't even remember what the light bulb moment was for me, but I think I just realized, hey, there has to be a better way. And oftentimes we have our coach lenses on or our coach goggles on, whatever, whatever you'd rather say. And we assume that, okay, well, if I can track macros, they can track macros. And that's not always the case, not to mention sometimes macro tracking doesn't work for people, right? So again, habits, macros, protein, total calories. There's so many different ways you can go uh, with your clients. Okay, the third mistake I made was that I had literally no boundaries. I thought I did, you guys. I really thought I did. And I think a lot of this stemmed from being a TV reporter. So when I was in TV, I was working obviously five days a week and my hours were very long. I was probably putting in an average about probably 10 hours a day on average because before I got to work, I would look for story ideas and I think that, first of all, there's so many misconceptions about TV news, but the stories that you see reporters doing, we have to come up with those stories ourselves. The only exception is if there is breaking news or something happens in the middle of the day and we get switched to that story. But we come every morning with, you know, three story ideas. We have to have the interviews already set up. We have done all of that legwork. Obviously, that starts very early. So my day, literally, here's how it went. 4.30 a.m., alarm goes off. I would teach a cycling class at 5.30 a.m. I would lift between 6.30 and 7.30. I would come home. I would shower. I would look. I would 
call. I would set up interviews and then my day would officially start at about 9.30, 9.45 and then I would be live at 4, 5, and 6 p.m. I would get off at 7. So at this point, I've been up since 4.30 a.m. I am home at 7 and my workday technically started at about 8.30. So again, 8.30 to 7-ish, right? That's almost 12 hours and that would repeat over and over again. Now, What if there's breaking news? Sometimes you would stay even later. What if somebody was sick and couldn't do the 11 o'clock? They would call you in. What about holidays? What about when people take vacations? They would put you in, right? So my point is there's a lot, there's a lot with TV news and you were kind of always on. And so that, oh, and you're always on call. So for example, it doesn't matter if it's a Saturday or Sunday or whatever your off day happens to be. If my news director called and said, hey, I need you to come in, so-and-so is sick, I pretty much had to go in. Like there was no, uh, sorry, I can't. Um, With that being said, oh, and I had a work phone. So I had a work phone and a cell phone. So I had two phones. Uh, Is anyone singing the song right now? (laughs) I had two phones. And that led to no boundaries, right? That led to me habitually looking at my phones, checking my email. I mean, that was the first thing I did in the morning. I would get up, I would check my email, I would message sources, I would, you know, look for stories, whatever. So when I transferred to online coaching, it was very similar. I gave my clients my phone number. (sighs) If you haven't listened to my podcast on boundaries, go listen to that. But in a nutshell, please don't do that. Just do not do that. I was working weekends. I had this fear that if I did not respond to my clients within, um, you know, an hour or so, they would quit. I didn't have specific hours for check-ins. I just said things were due on this day. If things were late, I didn't really worry about it. Again, I didn't have a lot of clients at this point, so it seemed fine. However, I was so stressed and I couldn't figure out why. And then on top of that, Because again, I was laid off. I was only a month or so into my business at this time, maybe two months. I was also doing in-person training. I did in-person training for about a year and I only had like four to eight clients ever. And I would maybe do like two days a week, maybe three days a week. Uh, at, At first, I think I was doing about three days a week. But If I wasn't cycling at 5.30 a.m., I was at the gym training somebody at 5.30 a.m. And the money just wasn't worth it over time, right? And then what was happening was people would cancel last minute and I didn't have a cancellation policy. And then people would tell me they were owed services and all of this. And it just got so messy and it was causing so much stress. And so I just had to kind of let that go, right? My boundaries were non-existent. And I had to start saying no. I think that was the hardest thing for me as somebody who is a people pleaser and just somebody who is an overcommitter. I always take on more than I can really handle. And I make it work. However, it is stressful AF to make it actually work. So I finally said no, no more in person. Honestly, that really kind of changed when the pandemic hit. But right before that, I was starting to dwindle off my in-person training anyway and focus on online. And the plan was never to stay in person. It was just 
kind of an extra, you know, $1,000 a month-ish that I was making, $1,500 a month maybe. And at some point I was like, this is not worth it. This is not worth the drive time. This is not worth the cancellation. This is not worth the headache. I would much rather just focus on my online business because that is where I want to grow. How amazing would it be to make more than $50,000 or more in one month? Trust me, it is amazing. And now I'm sharing my secrets with you for free. So I'm stopping this podcast for just a minute to invite you to a free masterclass all about, yep, you guessed it, launching. My first launch brought in more than $60,000 and you can make it happen too. So mark your calendars for Friday, May 14th at 9 a.m. Eastern and bring your coffee as we discuss my secret strategy to big five-figure launches. The link to save your seat is in the show notes below. So cool, I guess I'll see you there. All right, now back to the podcast. So the fourth mistake that I made was I tried doing everything myself. I tried doing everything myself and I tried doing it all at once at the beginning, right? So literally the, okay, I remember I left work. My last day was a Sunday night because I worked, I worked weekends. So my last day was a Sunday night. Monday morning, I woke up. I went straight to train somebody in person. I had check-ins on Monday. So I... I knew I was getting laid off. They gave me a six-week notice. And pretty much the last six weeks that I was in TV, I kind of just was like not really caring because, well, when somebody tells you that you're getting laid off, it doesn't really give you much incentive to keep working very hard. So I did the bare minimum. I did what I had to. I did it to the best of my abilities, but I was not going above and beyond. So I was spending all of my time getting more clients. So I left I think in the first six weeks while working another job, I had 10 clients. I got my first 10 clients in six weeks. So I was really, really working very hard at that. So after I left TV, I had 10 clients. I was still doing in-person. I was still doing cycling classes. I was still teaching boot camps. I was dealing with the, you know, having a stable, quote, stable uh, job where I was getting paid about 70k a year and I went from making 70k a year and I was making like a thousand dollars a month when I got laid off so and my rent was you know I mean that that didn't even cover my rent okay so I was like super nervous about all of that so I started doing like I said the in-person and then I was like okay well what if I do a group challenge that has to make sense so I was like okay let's make a group challenge so I did a group challenge and I sold out my spots which sounds okay cool yay great job Taylor your first launch a month into your business however I was charging like two hundred dollars no I wasn't I was charging $129. $129. That's so cute. Like thinking back, that's hilarious. I was charging $129 for a six week challenge. Oh my gosh. And I sold like all 15 spots, but again, 15 times 129, like that's not a lot of money, right? And I spent so much effort, you know, creating like the canvas slides and the ebook and the challenge and all of that. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm just doing way too much too fast. And so, and then I was also creating like a guide. I was doing one-time macro settings. I wanted to have every single offer on my website when in reality, looking back, I should have focused on my high ticket offer, right? I never recommend anybody do any kind of challenge 
or like group challenge, group course program, unless their high ticket offer is sold out or very, very, very close to it. So the last thing I want to talk about and the biggest mistake that I made was that my mindset was off. So listening to this podcast and listening to my others, I'm sure you've gotten the the vibe that I am somebody that comes from a high stress background. I am high functioning, high anxiety. Do not wear that as a badge of honor. That's just the reality for me. And I work every single day to be better and overcome that. And I have come so far with my mindset around my business. So I did not take enough time for myself when I first started my business. So for those of you that have been around for a while, you may know this, but two months into my business, my boyfriend at the time passed away and that was so, so hard for me. And even now about a, it's, it's been a year and a few months, it still is really, really hard for me. And while I did and do go to therapy the way that I coped with that trauma was burying myself in work. And that felt like the one thing that I could really control, right? Because in a span of two months, I lost my job and started a business and then my boyfriend passed away. Like that was a lot to deal with. And not to mention, I'm in Ohio. I'm from Texas. I'm in a foreign city still, right? So I had only lived here for a year at the time and that was just a lot, a lot to handle. So loving your job is not a hall pass for working seven days straight. And I just want to reiterate that. I think it's so easy. Looking back now, I'm very well aware of what happened. Oh, and not to mention, I forgot this. I decided that I also should start a contest prep. So my boyfriend passed away. I didn't really know how to cope with that. And I buried myself in work. And about two months later, less than that, I started prep. And we were actually going to do a prep together. And I felt that it was necessary to uphold that and still do prep because we were going to together. And I was like, well, I have to do it because we were going to. And so anyway, it was a lot of stress on my body, right? Physically, mentally, um, all of that. So I love my job. I love my job so much. There's nothing that brings me more joy right now in my life than helping other people build a successful, scalable, multi-six-figure business. I love it. There's nothing that brings me more joy than helping people crush their goals, overcome binge eating, and finally feel so proud of themselves when they look in the mirror or jump in front of a camera and no longer hide, right? Those things bring me so much joy. However, however, you have to take time off. And that's something that I did not do in the beginning. By not taking time off, my mindset was so warped. I was constantly inside. I was not going outdoors. I was always working. I didn't know how to take time off. When I took time off, I felt guilty. That was not a good cycle. And therefore, my mindset was not an abundant mindset. So the scarcity mindset, this also kind of snuck up a few times. I would oftentimes 
instead of focusing on the clients that I currently had, I was always trying to get new clients because I was afraid I would lose all of my clients. Now, that cycle is vicious, right? And it sounds so silly when you say it out loud, but I I mean, I've definitely overcome this now for sure. However, when I first started my business and I had about, you know, 20 clients and I was feeling really confident, I was like, well, if 10 people quit, like I'm screwed, right? And at any point in time, I wanted to always be at a place where if 10% of my clients quit tomorrow, I would be totally fine and it wouldn't phase me. So I always focused on what I didn't have too, right? I always focused on, okay, well, I didn't have this many clients. I I didn't have a cult-like community that you see on Instagram sometimes with bigger coaching companies. I didn't have the advanced clients. I didn't have the contest prep clients or the power lifters at this time. And so instead, I should have focused on what I did have. I had so much time. I had time to enjoy myself. I had time to breathe. I had no boss dictating what I did, right? And instead, I just, I worked all the time out of fear in the beginning. And my very first business coach, Alex Mazurko, would always tell me, Taylor, we cannot operate from a place of fear. And it's something that I still to this day like to say. I still like to say to my clients, when they are stressed, we cannot operate from a place of fear. And always, what does the evidence show us? Well, the evidence shows me that I always get more clients and that they always are coming and that they always stay with me, right? There is no evidence that says everyone's going to quit tomorrow. So the next time you find yourself a little stressed, what is the reality? What does the evidence actually say? And then the last component of my mindset being off was my community. My community was no longer serving me. This was a tough pill to swallow. The quality of a person's life is most often a direct reflection of the expectations of their peer group. Do you look up to those in your peer group? And if the answer is no, why are we in that group? And my answer was no. And I needed a new circle and the relationships I were in were holding me back as I was trying to grow. And I didn't have time for it anymore. I didn't have time for the toxic energy. You're going to learn over time too, that not everybody is going to be supportive of you, especially as you start to scale. And then as you scale, you will gain new friends, a new circle, a new way of life. That's not to say everybody is going to leave your life, right? That's not realistic. However, I do know that there were people who were totally supportive of me whenever I was not making money, laid off, sad about it, because that was easy to relate to, right? Think about how many times you've been on a happy hour or a date or with your friends and you guys all take turns venting about your jobs, venting about your shitty bosses, venting about how things are not going right. When is the last time you and your friends sat down and had a conversation about what was going right, about the wins in your life? the successes, what is bringing you joy? When is the last time that's happened? And for me, I got to a point where I couldn't answer that. 
I was tired of the toxic energy and tired of the negativity, especially given what I had just gone through. There was too much negativity and I had to release a lot of that because it was holding me in that negative mind space. So when the pandemic hit, I was about seven months into my business. And at this point, I really was forced to look at what I was building and find any kinks that I had, right? Because time essentially stopped. That's kind of what it felt like to all of us, right? Now, at this point, I had just hit six figures, which was freaking amazing. I was so proud of myself, right? And when I told you I buried myself in work, I'm not kidding, right? Like I'm talking, I worked all the time. And I was happy doing it, right? But lesson learned, like slowing down and and taking time to just honestly breathe is really, really helpful, okay? So what I had learned is that I needed some help. I needed to outsource and I could not imagine myself doubling what I had just done alone. So I started acting like a seven-figure business owner. Now I wasn't one. I'm not one. I have definitely quadrupled my business since this point. However, I told myself that if I was going to be abundant, I needed to act like the higher version of myself. And the higher version of myself is the seven-figure version of myself. So what would she do? Well, I invested big into a business coach. My very first investment into a business coach was six grand, I essentially spent an entire month of my salary on a business coach and made that back a bajillion times since. Then a few months later, I invested another 10,000. And then most recently, I just dropped 27 grand on a coach, which is absolutely insane, which, which is what I'm sure you're probably thinking. But again, the ROI is insane. So investing into a business coach has always been so, so helpful for me. I cannot imagine scaling my business without one. Setting clear boundaries with myself and my clients, that has been so helpful as well, right? My clients know when I'm available, when I'm not available, and that is something that is a non-negotiable for me. And then I also hired a team to carry out my mission and build an empire. I have since expanded with two assistant coaches, with an online business manager. We are looking for a copy editor. We are looking for another virtual assistant. And I also have a lead gen on my team as well. So a lot of people that are helping me carry out my mission because you're not meant to do it all by yourself, guys. And that's one thing that I will say was really hard to figure out, but you know, It's okay to give up some of your business and let other people in to help you. That is how you grow. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. And I hope you've learned from these five mistakes that I have made in my business. And if you guys need anything else, you know where to find me on Instagram. And I will see you next time. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for a community of badass go-getters to bounce ideas and answer questions, join my exclusive goal-getter community on Facebook. The link's waiting for you on Instagram. Until next time, bye y'all.